Hi, my name is Brad Furr, and I worked at Illini Media Company from 1992 to 1995. Now in the real world, I run KGAY Radio in Palm Springs, California, and have an LGBT digital guide and digital marketing company as well. For our 150th anniversary here at the Illini Media Company, we're sitting down with 20 talented and successful alumni to talk about their experience at the University of Illinois, the Daily Illini, WPGU, and the Ilio Yearbook. On April 9th, we inducted all 20 into the 2022 class of our Illini Media Hall of Fame. Brad Furr is the only 2022 Hall of Fame inductee who never attended classes at the University of Illinois. A graduate of Central Michigan University, Brad Furr began working in radio during high school and went on to work at stations across the country, including as a professional staff member at WPGU. Now, he is the owner of KGAY 106.5 FM Palm Springs and founder of GayDesertGuide.com, a mobile-friendly website and events guide for Palm Springs. Today, WPGU Program Director Jay Sidney Malone speaks with WPGU alumnus and 2022 Illini Media Hall of Fame inductee, Brad Furr. I want to get started by asking you about how you got to Illini Media Company and what encouraged you to take that job in the first place. So in the late 80s and early 90s, I was in northern Michigan running a radio station that I helped found. I came up as program director and ended as sales manager and general manager, really out of necessity. And in those four years, I got a lot of experience in sales and things outside of programming, which I'd been really accustomed to. And a woman named Terry Dugan Nolan was the general manager of Illini Media Company. She and I had worked together over the years. We had been on the board of the Upper Midwest Communications Conclave in Minneapolis for a number of years. And so we, by our nature and by our friendship, had been associated for a number of years. When Terry was looking for a sales manager for WPGU, I had been four and a half years in at Northern Michigan. I was ready for a change of pace, and I really had my sights set on Chicago. So I thought Champaign-Urbana would be a good move for me. Terry brought me down and interviewed me, and I took the position as sales manager in the spring of 92. Super awesome. And stuck there for about the same amount of time as a student. So it's kind of funny to see your progression from freshman to senior there too. It's very true. It was about three and a half years total that I was here. But I did watch certainly a number of students that were graduating actually in that first spring semester that I was there. And then of course, new students kept coming in. And Every year we would do the, you know, the open house and get students interested in coming to work for WPGU. I had a really great college radio experience. So for me, this paralleled what I was doing in my college radio station. And I really could understand why um, this would be advantageous for students coming in. So I could actually help sell students coming in. But, you know, frankly, they didn't need to be sold on it. The fact that they could hang out at a very cool, hip radio station and create these uh, great friendships and, uh, you know, see bands and interview bands and play great music and do all kinds of things was um, typically motivation enough for them to get involved with WPGU. I think that still kind of stands to today. I see a lot of the same motivation still. From sales manager, you made your way to general manager. Kind of walk me through that process. 
Terry left the next year. They brought in a guy named Jim McKellar as the um, manager for Illini Media Company. And at that point, they decided to split the two entities so that I would be in charge of WPGU as general manager, and Jim would take over all the print, uh, including the Ilio, Daily Illini, Technograph, et cetera. So there was kind of that division. We both reported to the board of directors, and that's how I got into the general management role. For a while, I was still sales manager until I was able to promote from within. Andy Worthington became our sales manager over time. Andy had been a local in Champaign-Urbana and had lived there for a number of years, and I inherited him as one of our salespeople, and he grew nicely into the position. Makes a lot of sense. What has it meant to you as uh, someone who was part of the professional staff working with students? You mentioned earlier seeing those seniors the first time you were there, but also the students kind of turning over every once in a while. What did you think about uh, your time at WPGU working with those kinds of students and how did that sort of affect the way that you managed? Because there was not a huge age difference, I would say there was, you know, eight to 10 to maybe 12 years difference between me and the students. It wasn't a huge um, difference, but at the same time, I had a lot of real world experience. And so there was a respect given to me and to the professional staff for what we brought to the table. We created partnerships with Saga Media, one of the other companies in town. We created a partnership with Jacobs Media to do consulting and to help the students get a real world experience and education outside of, um, of WPGU. It, it meant a lot to me just to be able to mentor these students and to see them uh, go from literally knowing nothing about the broadcasting industry and just having a, a keen interest in some part of it to actually learning and, uh, and then taking over responsibility. So, you know, these students became uh, managers of a department. Take copywriting as an example. So we had a guy that was doing copywriting and he didn't know a lot about copywriting, but he learned. And eventually, um, because he was a smart guy and a good student, he became the manager of the department. You know, and that happened across the board. Um, they, they had to learn quickly because there was not going to be a very long on-ramp until they would actually be gone from WPGU and out into the real world. So there was a very, again, a very fast and steep learning curve, just like there would be at the Daily Illini and at the other um, uh, entities as well. And those, those learning curves were, I think, really valuable to them. To, to have to do it quickly. You may have found this yourself where you just, you're kind of thrown into it and you figure it out. I think what I was able to offer was the ability to let them test theories and let them test concepts and maybe help shoot holes in things or encourage certain behaviors and certain things that they wanted to do uh, because of my real world experience. Absolutely. And you mentioned a couple of projects that you worked on. And I want to ask kind of what was your favorite project uh, during your time working at WPGU? Uh, I, I've heard many stories about things that went on and, and collaborations and things that were done and started. So uh, I guess out of all those, which one you know, do you remember the best and like the most? Boy, you know, it, 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 there, was so, there was so much change over that period of time. I think the thing I'm really most proud of is the rebrand to the planet. 
WPGU had uh, such a long history as a progressive rock radio station. You go back and look at the playlist from the 70s, 80s, etc. And I don't think that the planet really uh, violated any of the historical norms that the radio station had. But because alternative music was so hot during that time, the world was going through, uh, you know, just a monumental change music wise. It really made sense for us to follow those those changes. There were some alumni that didn't think that that was the right way to go. You know, they uh, we kind of de-emphasized the call letters and went with 107.1 The Planet. But that really was the thing I was most proud of. The fact that we were able to get an MTA bus, have that bus completely wrapped with WPGU and Planet graphics. And then for all the events that we were able to do, the, the football tents, the Planet Gates, you know, those were, A, they generated a ton of revenue and, and really helped us solidify our financial position, but they were a lot of fun. The alumni loved them. The students loved them. And so those were kind of some of the things that I really enjoyed doing. You still see that effect to today, even though we're Champagne's alternative, I think uh, seeing that uh, sort of the planet style alternative music and that change in format and the, it's, you know, reverberations continue even 30 years later. It's interesting because, you know, the station could have gone in a classic rock direction and probably would have been successful for the local market in some ways. But I think what would have happened is there would not have been engagement by the students because they would not have been passionate about the music. And, you know, uh, music it changes, evolves. And I think in order for um, a college radio station to really be successful, it has to test the, the limits of where music is going. And it has to, you know, have its, have its pulse on the, the way the world is going musically. And uh, yeah, it's a, you know, we, we thought that music was diverse and interesting back in the 90s. And now I look at what's going on today. And I think mostly because of technology, there is just so many more artists and so many more songs out there. That's what makes it very difficult. It, it's got to be a, a challenge to program a radio station with quote unquote hits in any way, shape or form, just because there is such a plethora of music. So after you, of course, graduate after three and a half years with your degree in PGU, what did you do? Uh, you know, what did you do then on and what did you take from your time here there? Well, you know, I had always been involved in the conclave up in Minneapolis. I'd been on that board for almost 25 years in total. And what the conclave did was it basically was a summer radio conference. It was like summer camp for, for radio geeks. And it was meant for the Midwest, mostly small and medium market people. And we brought people from all over the country, big name radio people and music industry people up to that conference every year to try to impart wisdom, uh, have discussion about where radio was going, where the record industry was going, et cetera. And so that, you know, that, that has always been a big part of what I did, not only that, but also my college radio experience. And, you know, after I left WPGU, um, I did go on to uh, commercial radio stations. I was in um, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and then I went to Cincinnati to work for a research company. And then I finally got my, my dream realized, which was moving to Chicago. And when I got to Chicago, I was fortunate enough, not too long after I got there, I think it was my second job there, to go work for Q101. And the alternative station Q101 ended up being where a lot of the WPGU people went. So I started running into all these people that I had 
helped mentor and get started in the radio business uh, in Chicago. And we started getting together and having, you know, parties and, uh, and, and reunions and all kinds of things. So it's, it, that was really rewarding for me just to kind of watch how everybody evolved. And, you know, to this day, Ben Ponzio, who is running uh, Odyssey's uh, sales division for all of Chicago radio, he was a student salesperson of mine and my student sales manager. And so many on-air people that are in Chicago and salespeople and marketing people. So, you know, that's that's really been the rewarding part of it. Yeah. And the Chicago radio world, I think, is a small one. So it's interesting to see the people that you brought there and the success that they've had. Uh, I can understand entirely how that would be really, really rewarding. Uh, what kind of things did they say to you? What kind of things did you uh, hear from them once you got into the Chicago media market? And they said, hey, I remember you from Champaign-Urbana. Well, it's funny. We hadn't really lost touch. The years in between, we did stay in touch. You know, I would go down to the football tents. And so the, there really wasn't too much of a disconnect. And when I got to Chicago, I actually started doing Cubs games and big parties every summer. I lived really close to Wrigley Field. So we would have huge reunions of 50, 60 people from WPGU. And I would host it at my house. We'd typically get tickets to a Cubs game. I also had Halloween parties. So we all really stayed together and fairly tight during that period. But, you know, of course, somebody would, you know, have gone from a small market. Um, you know, they go from like Des Moines, Iowa, and they're like, oh, I got a job in Chicago now. So they'd come join, you know, the Chicago clan. Everybody... Many people had to kind of pay their dues. Not everybody got a, got a chance to start in Chicago, but uh, over time, many of those people did. And so it was, it's, it's, you know, it was just fun to see everybody and to kind of rework with those people. Absolutely. After a while, you did leave Chicago. So why the change and uh, what are you up to now? So um, in, uh, I think, 2005, I, I had done a couple of different gigs in Chicago. I got laid off at, um, at Emmis, which was running Q101. And I was working with a talk show host friend of mine, an LGBTQ talk show host in Los Angeles named Carrie Harrison, who originally was from Chicago. And we were producing a show for SiriusXM's OutQ channel, which was their LGBTQ channel. I was going back and forth in the early 2000s between Los Angeles and Chicago. And finally, a good friend of mine was running Clear Channel's uh, sales division. He had the opportunity for a sales manager for the Progressive Talk Station. Um, Carrie Harrison, I'd gotten Carrie on weekends on that station. And so when I was out there, he said, hey, do you know of anybody who might want to be sales manager? I'm like, well, Jeff, I'd love to. It'd be a great opportunity. And so he hired me. And in uh, 2005, the fall of 2005, I moved to Los Angeles and uh, became sales manager for KTLK AM. From there, within Clear Channel, I had a chance to do a number of gigs. I ended up at running Pride Radio, which was their LGBTQ channel. It's still streaming to this day. And I was at KBIG, which was the big uh, AC station as well. And then eventually I went back to uh, Emmis, which was the Q101 people. I went to work for the interactive division that I'd helped start in the early 2000s in Chicago at Q101. And I was there for a few years. And then we had downturns in the economy and I got downsized again. And at that point, I just decided that I was loving Palm Springs where I had moved part-time. I bought a house out here. 
And I saw that there was an opportunity for an LGBTQ digital publication based on my MS Interactive experience. So I just decided that I would pull up roots from LA, move out to Palm Springs, and start what became Gay Desert Guide. And that had a has had a really nice 10-year run so far. But I never really took my eye too far off radio. I taught out at College of the Desert, the local community college. I taught radio out here for a while, kept my fingers in radio. And eventually, a few years ago, I had a chance to help the, at the foundation when KGAY, KGAY 1065 got its start uh, here in Palm Springs. So originally, it was a part of a not-for-profit. We were formed to kind of help further the LGBT community out here. The not-for-profit did not succeed. I stepped away along with part of the staff. A couple of years later, uh, the recession hit, the owners wanted to sell the radio station. And so last August, I was able to buy uh, K-Gay and uh, own my first radio station. That's quite the arc from uh, sales to management to ownership. So a lot of your time, especially in the past couple decades, has been around uh, LGBT media and uh, really focusing on this niche market. What has it meant to you to be a gay man in media and to you know, work with that, uh, that area of the market? It's been extremely rewarding because out here in Palm Springs, There's so much um, philanthropy. There's so many people from around the country who have settled in Palm Springs. And we've really created a great community of not-for-profits, of service organizations, and really created this sense of community that I'm very proud to be a part of out here. Um, You know, as early in my career, I couldn't be out. I didn't really come out until I was 30 years old in that Northern Michigan area, even when I was in Champaign, I, you know, I was, I, I don't know if I was some, I guess kind of semi-closeted in Champaign, not really closeted, but you know, I wasn't like, you know, going to the, to the, uh, to the rallies and all that. It really wasn't until I got to, um, you know, into to Chicago in the later nineties that I was really out, had a boyfriend, had a partner and everything else. So but it's it's you know it's it, it LGBT media has has really come through the ranks over the years. You know it was really relegated to kind of off to the side, and then when Sirius XM picked it up and Clear Channel iHeartRadio picked it up, it started gaining some momentum and traction. And you know now there is just so many different media out there for the LGBTQ community, uh, whether that be streaming audio, uh, there's a number of video services out at TV, um, Reverie TV, there's all kinds of different services for the community. And some really great content being created as well. Yeah, and it's really cool to see your effect on that content too. I mean, it's not a small thing that in the early 2000s and throughout the early 2010s that you were producing this kind of stuff for that community. What kind of effect do you see from the things that you personally have done on that market? You know, I would suspect I, 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 it's, it's hard because I was only one cog in the wheel. There were so many of us that were doing things and, and had impacts. So I can't 
I don't want to overemphasize anything that I did, but I do know that, you know, OutQ, I think, was really groundbreaking from a satellite service because we had all kinds of different people on that channel from, you know, LGBTQ or from, you know, like lesbian artists and lesbian talk show hosts to, um, you know, Carrie Harrison, who I worked with, uh, Signorelli, uh, Michelangelo Signorelli was on that channel originally. You know, it's, it's been a, um, it's been a real group effort in the LGBTQ community to um, give us visibility. And there are many people that are doing just amazing pieces of work now, podcasting and television and everything else. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of, in a very cliche way, would like to end on an outlook. What can we expect from you in the future? What would you like to do? What things are left? I wouldn't mind uh, adding another radio station or two to my portfolio here in Palm Springs. You know, I'm in my 60s now. Um, I'm very happy with what I've been able to create out here, especially with the way the community has come together around uh, K-Gay and uh, other media that's out in this marketplace. And, you know, I'm, I'm really happy to just continue what I've been doing. Eventually, I want to take uh, what I've bought or what I've, uh, what I've created here, and I want to pass that torch on to somebody else who'd like to own this and uh and take it to the next level yeah absolutely well brad thank you for taking some time to speak with us i really appreciate it uh, it's been great